0: This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Protocol for Life Balance, offering a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out which can help support your body's healthy detoxification process, including liver detox support, NAC, chlorophyll, and DIM plus CDG. This suite of products aids in the elimination of certain environmental toxins from the body, supports healthy cellular reproduction cycles, and liver function, and promotes healthy hormone metabolism. They're backed by solid scientific data and available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. For more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and today's topic is integrative cardiology. Uh, With me today is an integrative cardiologist and wellness expert with a practice in West Long Branch, New Jersey. She is Dr. Vivian Caminos. She's clinical assistant professor of medicine at the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine. It's part of the University of Arizona School of Medicine, so she teaches and also writes curriculum for their fellowship program, which I'm happy to hear, uh, now is about integrative medicine. She's also a founding member of the American Board of Integrative Medicine, and uh, she obtained her MD from St. Louis University. She did her internal medicine and cardiology fellowship at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital uh, right here in New Jersey. So, uh, Vivian, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you, Ron. And I'm honored to be among your guests. Um, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm thrilled with it. I, I want to applaud the work you're doing in educating our public and hopefully more physicians in, uh, integrative medicine, the medicine of the future and the real
2: medicine
0: right well you know i really take it as high praise uh, from you uh because uh well you have an interesting career arc you're rigorously trained in conventional medicine in fact you practiced uh, uh what is uh, called invasive cardiology well, that doesn't sound good you know things we don't like things that are invasive but sometimes we have to uh be aggressive in treating patients and and now uh you've moved to uh, a sort of a more soft medicine approach to cardiology Uh, Tell us about your personal journey.
1: Sure. I wouldn't exactly call integrated medicine soft. I actually think it's uh, 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 the real hard medicine. But, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about my training. You know, I trained in a university program, and um, the cardiology training is basically centered on diagnostic testing and When I was done with fellowship, I thought I was a really good operator in the cath lab. So, um, I performed, uh, angiograms, cardiac catheterizations for, and I, I was good at it. I enjoyed them. I was working, um, started my own practice, working pretty hard. Um, probably, you know, equivalent of 60 hours a week plus getting up in the middle of the night, uh, treating people with heart attacks, heart failure, arrhythmias. We, we and, call that blood um, and
0: guts medicine. You know, it's like heroic interventions to like. save lives in the middle of the <laughs> night.
1: And you know, Ron, it was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, uh, but I was I was getting a, a little bit tired, and about 15 years into my career, um, heart disease hit my home. And uh, here I was back in the cath lab, but on the other side of the cath table in the control booth, watching as balloons and stents were being inserted into my husband. Um, And when I saw that, something in me just cracked. I felt like the floor just gave out underneath me. And um, I felt like an awful cardiologist, because here I was with a husband that had heart disease. So not only was I a terrible wife, I was also Uh a terrible cardiologist. And um, You you, you you had a sense that you had
0: failed him because he was there in extremis, and you you wish you'd Perhaps it headed it off of the pass.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't know why it took me, you know, that long to realize that what I was doing was simply diagnosing heart disease and temporizing heart disease, but I really wasn't doing enough to prevent it or cure it. And, um, you know, in the search for what was happening to my husband and to my patients, um, I went to a nutrition conference in Tucson. This was back in... 2004 and at the conference i met this you know big guy with a very large white beard called andrew Weil. i right. had no idea who he was yeah. i didn't know who he was Strangely. and guy. you know i talked to yeah. him yeah <laughs> he's a great guy but anyway i uh, talked to him a little bit and at that conference i learned about integrative medicine i had no idea what integrative medicine was and i thought isn't this amazing i can actually learn um lifestyle medicine and medicine that's not Western medicine like acupuncture, mind body, um botanicals. I can learn other things and maybe that is the reason why some people have heart disease <laughs> and other chronic diseases. Um so that's that's a little bit of uh what happened to me on my personal journey. And I did this two year fellowship at the Dr. Andrew Wilde Center for Integrated Medicine. Um and uh then got very involved with it you know I I bitterly complained about the cardiology content and I was in the fellowship 2005 to 2007 and at that time we really didn't have a lot of evidence for integrative medicine but over the last you know decade we've collected a lot more evidence and I got so involved in um, giving them curricula and and my opinions that I I I was lucky enough to be invited to so, the So the student became
0: the became faculty. the teacher. In effect, you actually ended up uh, revamping their curriculum. Oh, yeah, and uh, and teaching uh, a new approach so to much. integrative cardiology.
1: Yes, absolutely, and um, I'm very proud of the fellowship. I it constantly challenges me. Um, the uh, the participants the 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 doctors the the nurse practitioners the physician assistants that that uh are in it are constantly challenging us and and doing research and it's just absolutely wonderful what's happened and you know going back to my husband, here was a man who had very low cholesterol yeah. his inflammatory markers were non-existent and yet he he had this you know ninety nine percent blockage in a major mm-hmm. artery and you know, we took him to a preventive cardiologist that was the Maho preventive cardiologist who basically threw his hands up and said, gee, I don't know what you should do. Yep. Maybe you should drink a glass of red wine. Well, okay. <laughs> that's not enough. Yeah. That wasn't enough. So, um, you know, as it turns out, there was a lot of stress in our lives. Uh, we were both working hard, uh, full time raising a child. I was working t- twice-time, I guess, not full-time, raising a child. And also, we had gotten away from my roots. You know, I grew up with, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one born uh, to Greek immigrants. Okay. Uh, first one in my family born in the, born in the United States. So you were like so one we generation
0: lived- removed from the traditional Mediterranean
1: diet. But I wasn't removed because my yaya cooked all our meals. Oh. I think I was in fourth grade before I ate a hot dog or knew what a French fry was. You know, I, I at home we would have like stuffed zucchini blossoms or fish soup or bean soup, oh. and if we kids didn't eat what yaya put on the table, we didn't eat. So I grew up with a traditional Mediterranean diet, uh, but with growing up in this country and then becoming busy, we got away from it. At least I got away from it. And, you know, here I was feeding my son and my husband, you know, hot dogs and boxed macaroni and cheese. I'm really embarrassed to say that. Um, so I had to change and, and you know, my husband having heart disease and then, uh, doing the fellowship really taught me how to be a better doctor.
0: Okay. Did you ever determine if he had a specific uh, genetic or metabolic risk factor for cardiovascular disease? Because uh, sometimes something obscure uh, is the trigger for cardiovascular problems, such as uh, LP little A or homocysteine or C-reactive protein, one of those things that is less frequently
1: checked. Right. Right, right. So his C-reactive protein was less than one. He has no LPA that's elevated okay. and homocysteine was normal. Uh-oh. So I'm glad you're bringing it's up all enigma. those things, yeah. but, he, but it's not so much of an enigma because remember what we know in terms of the risks for heart disease. Uh, the traditional risk factors only account for a percent of people, you know, a small percent uh-huh. of people that have heart disease. Right. So um, as it turns out, a lot of the men in his family had heart disease in their 50s, the way he did. So, uh-huh. you know, there was a definite genetic predisposition, and, um, uh, you know, that was part of it. And again, I, I'm convinced that our lifestyle played a major role in it uh-huh. uh-huh. because we were working too hard, yeah. we were too stressed, And we weren't eating well. We were exercising, but you can't just do one thing right and have it cure the other ills.
2: You know,
0: and I know very well because during my uh, medical training, uh one of the top cardiologists at uh, NYU. I mean he virtually saw half the patients there and the other twenty five cardiologists saw the other half. He was a real workhorse <laughs> and he was the go to guy. He really would show up at uh you know one o'clock in the morning if a patient was going down the tubes, uh, worked tremendously hard. Uh died of a massive heart attack at the age of fifty two. Yeah. Uh yeah. so yeah. that lifestyle is really not conducive to uh cardiovascular wellness
1: it certainly isn't and I think I was headed in that direction also because I was also the one that got up with the phone call and ran in and yep. um you know luckily I we were able to change our, our our lifestyle and you know luckily I was embraced by the integrative medicine fellowship and by my peers uh that also believed in integrative medicine and uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, changed my practice. So now my practice is, you know, on wellness and integrative cardiology. And, but I still see people with aortic stenosis and atrial fibrillation sure. and, you know, know how to problems. treat
0: them. Yeah. Well, okay, so right. let's, let's define our terms here a little bit. Uh You're an integrative cardiologist. So for example, uh when confronted with a patient with hypertension, how might your approach differ from that of a Mainstream cardiologist.
1: Okay. So, you know, hypertension, as you know, affects almost half of the population. Um, And, um, you know, unfortunately, the way that hypertension is even initially diagnosed is incorrect. Because what happens when patients go to the office, they're waiting, they're getting upset, you know, a medical assistant throws them on a gurney or something and they get this drive by blood pressure, right? Yeah. And, and most in office blood pressure, uh, may not be accurate. In fact, um, most people don't even know how to check a blood pressure. So the first thing I did was learn how to check a blood pressure. And the first thing I do with the patient when I see them after I obtain a complete history, and I, 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 uh, you know, their whole background, their lifestyle, uh, all their habits. Um, what I do is I sit them in a chair, feet flat on the floor, back supported, and I breathe with them. I teach them a uh, relaxing breath a- after the cuff is on, and I let them know we're going to be breathing together. And then I check their blood pressure, and I check it a couple times. I check it on both sides so that. I can get an accurate reading. The most accurate way to to, uh, uh, diagnose hypertension is with ambulatory blood pressure readings, but most people hate those. I I used to do them in the office, and they'd come back and bitterly complain. It's a device that you take
0: home and you walk around with, but it's kind of a nuisance.
1: Well, it's a nuisance because it it inflates, and you can feel it even while you're asleep. So you can't sleep with it. At least I wouldn't be able to. Yes. But in any case, I'll, I'll do a proper measurements in the office. I have my patients then, uh, get a blood pressure machine at, uh, for home use that I check for accuracy and have them monitor it every day if they, if I have an elevated reading. So I don't automatically put them on medications unless, it, unless they're they have blood pressure that's very high or i feel they're at risk yeah, at like 212
0: risk. or 130 i think you're probably <laughs> going to give them something to, before they go home i
1: think so yeah. i think so i think they'd they'd go right to the er with 212 130 <laughs> yeah, but in right. any case yeah in any case um yeah so the the measurement's very important and you know it, i so i don't want to minimize that yeah. um and then what we do is we uh, we talk about you know everything in terms of lifestyle exercise is sort of at the top of most of my recommendations, you know, I don't care where you start. Like if you start, you're sedentary, you're sick, we'll find something that you can do. If you're an athlete, you know, we, we review, the exercise program and we see what you're doing that might be good for blood pressure, might not right. be good for blood pressure. So definitely Maybe, maybe you don't want to exercise. go on a, a,
0: an inversion board or something like that if you have right, high right. blood pressure because it can raise your intracranial right. pressure put you at risk for a stroke. So maybe, you know, like headstands and yoga may, may not be the ticket for somebody with very high blood not,
1: pressure. Not what I would recommend. The same way I wouldn't recommend like heavy weight training. So yep. it's interesting bench about bench pressing when 350 it did a, you know, uh, it's na-
0: not great because your eyeballs right. Like right but
1: you know lifting yeah lifting a little weight yep. and more and reps. walking is not dangerous in yep. fact it's more dangerous to not do it right. so um, you know after an exercise session your blood pressure can go down by up to you know uh, 14 hours to 20 hours it's amazing um, another thing I do is I use biofeedback with a device that people could buy uh, online called respirate I don't do okay. you, have you heard of that
0: yes the Respirate. Yeah,
1: moves. so, yeah, Respirate is a, this great little box that's connected to a belt that you attach to your chest or your abdomen, and then you put earphones in the box and you turn it on. It tells you breathe in and breathe out, and what it does is it recruits your in-breath, your out-breath, so that it coaches you into breathing only six breaths a minute. You breathe slowly, you breathe deeply and that recruits the parasympathetic nervous system, which is relaxing and which decreases heart rate, decreases blood pressure, decreases the stress hormones. Um, in fact, the FDA has approved it for treatment of hypertension, um, and you know, no drugs involved. Um, and the other thing we, we use obviously is food. Uh, and uh, supplements, um, you know, my favorite supplements for um, uh, blood pressure or, or beetroot, <laughs> beet, we'll uh, uh, beetroot powder yep. for nitrates, right, right, uh, ubiquinol uh, or CoQ10, the reduced form of CoQ10 that's absorbed better. Uh, magnesium where most of us are magnesium defi- deficient and omega-3 fatty acids most Americans are also mm-hmm. deficient in omega-3 fatty acids and you know I I try to figure out if I've already taught them a relaxing breath I try to figure out if they're uh, you know open to meditation uh, and um, and the other thing too is to get a personalized approach you know so I've been offering um, genomics in my practice um, which started as a as a need because patients were coming to me with these printouts of all their genetic variants. I don't know if you've had that where, yes. you know, there's these direct-to-consumer products where, you know, you'll get a bunch of SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms, and they come in and they show them to you and you look at them and you say, okay, what do I do with this? Um, so... There's a there's a platform I use uh, uh, that I love, Intellix DNA, uh, which i music as well. Uh, yep. Yeah, which what I love about it, and probably you do too. You know, it takes hundreds of of SNPs, but it puts them in pathways that make sense. So, for instance, there's a the hypertension pathway, there's a the diabetes pathway, an obesity pathway. So, some of my patients, I had a young guy who was hypertensive and who's at risk for Alzheimer's disease, who wanted this test, he did it. And I found out that he can't break down his catecholamines, and he mm-hmm. has certain SNPs that right. put him at higher risk if I have him on calcium channel blockers. and He, it he so had a, happens. What, a he
0: COMT like, variant uh, where he's
1: overproducing. He had a C-O- COMT yeah. variant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and he wasn't breaking down. You know, he had these, uh, adrenal receptors that were constantly firing. Right. So, um, uh, I forget the name of the SNP, but it was another SNP he had. So he, he lacked actually. So, um, you know, what I did was I took him off his, uh, his, uh, calcium channel blockers. As it turns out, he didn't need, yeah. uh, he cut down his medication after a healthier lifestyle. So, there's a, there's a lot we do that's different. Right. You know, this but doesn't have to What's happen interesting, in excuse me, about that Intellix system. test
0: is that it actually can, you know, should there be a need for a blood pressure medication? You know, as, as you well know, the process by which we, uh, target patients with blood pressure medications, a little bit like uh, throwing darts at a dartboard. We kind of start with, you know, the lightest thing and then we go <laughs> up. Uh, and it's a little bit random. And with a test like the Intellix DNA, it can sometimes suggest, Uh, what type of high blood pressure among the many different subtypes of high blood pressure a person has, whether they're more suited for a beta blocker, whether they could respond to uh, what's called an ACE inhibitor or an ARB. Uh, This, I mean, not, you know, just like you, I'm loath to prescribe medication, but sometimes patients need it and it helps us have a little better targeting. That's right. That's right. And
1: I'm, i I find this very helpful, because, like you said, we just throw a dart, and what happens when you start a medication and it doesn't work? What do you do? You add another medication yep. and then you add another medication, and then we have these problems with polypharmacy where we don't know what's working and not working anymore and you know one of the, one of the things that I found when I was practicing in my practice was i'd get i g i would see patients who are on you know 10-15 medications and they're just added on one after another and maybe the first and second one <laughs> is yeah. not necessary anymore
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no we do see that all the time
1: physicians are loath physicians are loath to stop medication <laughs> often uh so um you know we do try i do use medications obviously but i i i try to limit it and um you know try to use it appropriately so uh, I like I like this uh genomics uh platform. Uh, so it's really it's really good.
2: Good. Yeah,
0: so uh one of your uh, you know in in, t- in talking to you before, uh I realized that one of your pet peeves is that uh while the one of the most important pathways for treating cardiovascular disease is nutrition very few cardiologists or physicians in general really have any training in nutrition. What do you say to that?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. You know, a friend of mine, Stephen DeVries, who's also an integrative cardiologist, there's only a handful of us in the country, but uh, Stephen's a great guy who also trained at Arizona. He conducted a survey of uh, 930 cardiologists and basically asked some questions. You know, what kind of training did you have through medical school, residency, fellowship um, and how do you feel about nutrition and you know most cardiologists over 90% said that uh, they received absolutely no training of nutrition during their fellowship and I'm par- I'm one of those and about 30 to 60% had no training in medical school or residency. I remember that in medical school I had uh, probably two lectures. And the only thing I remembered from it was that ADEK were fat soluble vitamins, so they were very dangerous. You know?
0: Right, you gotta watch that, out because you can was, overdose on those. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, right, right. So I don't, there was really no training. Um, and yet, you know, most cardiologists will agree with you and me that nutrition is the cornerstone of therapy. So, you know, there's a disconnect there. What is it that we believe and what is what tools are we given so you know luckily now there's more options for physicians and and uh, other medical practitioners to go out and get training um, I don't know that that option was there when I was in training and and also you know nutrition nutrition has really changed over the last you know how it's changed in terms of how what we recommend to our patients uh, you know years and years ago when I first started uh, practicing um, I hate to tell you when that was. But it was 1989? Uh, what was the American Heart Association telling us to do? No fat, right? Yeah, Low it was. Fat, in fact, no it fat. was.
2: I, I actually and
0: distinctly I, remember that one of my professors, who was a cardiologist, uh, he used to brag to us that he would take a little shot glass and fill it up with corn oil, and take a shot of corn oil every day. Because it was a beneficial polyunsaturated fat. That was the state of the art. I think this must have been in the 1980s. Yeah.
1: Is he the one that actually had the heart attack? No, no, I, I,
0: I, from time to time I check up on him. I don't see him anymore. So I I hope he didn't meet his maker uh, prematurely. I'll
1: I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's even worse. You know, my, 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 I had patients come into me who would say, um, oh you know you know this is this is great I just had, you know you fixed me I just had the angioplasty we weren't even doing sense yet and I found these great cookies and I could eat the whole box because oh, there's wait. no fat in them so, so they're and, fat-free. I, and they were
2: snacks
1: yeah snack well cookies they what so what was in there it was high fructose corn syrup oh. you know when you when you get rid of fat you have to replace it with another nutrient so you know, thanks to these guidelines, we were really really causing a lot of heart disease, um, and you know, it was really a dangerous and awful diet. Um, luckily, we've advanced uh, quite a bit in terms of nutrition research. And uh, you know now, even though the American Heart Association is still uh, putting limits on the amount of saturated fat, you know fat is not demonized in the way that it was. Um, And, you know, I'd love to talk to you about what I feel about nutrition research, if you have a minute. Well, absolutely.
0: Um, Let's save that for part two because I want to do a deeper dive on some of the uh, major nutrition controversies that uh, really uh, bedevil cardiology these days. Because on the one hand, you have, uh, you know, the low-fat uh, acolytes. Uh, they're hanging in there pretty well, but also you have people who yep. support uh, paleo dieting and uh, keto diets for cardiovascular prevention. so we'll uh, we'll approach that controversy in part two of today's interview with Dr. Vivian Caminos. Uh, Dr. Caminos, uh, in case people uh, don't have time to jump over to part two, which we are them to do. Um, your practice, West Long Branch, New Jersey uh, is their website.
1: Yes, yes, they could uh read about me and my practice on uh www.drcaminos.com that's d r k o m i n o s drcaminos.com and um, all the information is there.
0: Okay, great. So, uh stay with us folks. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman and we'll be right back with more of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast.